Welcome, welcome, everyone. This is Europhile stepping in for Kremlin File. And as usual, here's Scott. Hi, Scott. Hey, Monique. How you doing? Kremlin File will be back in September. This is Europhile Scott Lucas or Olga Lautman. Scott and I will be developing Europhile much more, let's say, in the fall. So stick with us. Our special guest that we're going to have, Marley Clements. Um, she's a documentary filmmaker, and she focuses mainly on issues of disinformation hybrid warfare. She's the co-creator and the host of the Vice documentary series, QAnon, The Search for Q. And series two is coming up, which we're going to be talking about. So without any further ado, let's welcome Marley Clements to the pod. Hi, Marley. Hi, guys. So hey. good to be here. Marley, let me just start off with a, a little personal story, okay, just to get us going. And Great. I, yeah, I mean, I ran into, I'll just say that I found out about QAnon through a friend of mine in Canada. I was doing a lot of research on Trump and all of the people that were surrounding him. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this was, I can tell you, 2018, around that time, Mm -hmm. uh, the spring, uh, May, that kind of, you know, that period. Very popular for Q. Yeah. And indeed, one one of my friends, she's not into this stuff, but she knew I was doing research. And she said, Monique, have you seen this video? And she sent me a link to it. And I think it was either called In the Shadows or In the Storm or something like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the narration was done by this Dutch woman. Mm-hmm. The video itself was the most disturbing, fucked up thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. Okay. Yeah. And I sat there and I watched, I, you know what? I really even couldn't watch it. I, I'd like all in one go. I had to stop and no move on. There were pictures that were the, all of the images, the stills, all that kind of thing were highly, highly disturbing. I mean, truly disturbing. That's why I had to stop, Mm -hmm. you know, half the time. And there was, it was being pushed at that time by a guy on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. And I started digging and digging and that's where I found vice. Okay. As well, because vice had already done like a few um, explainers or Mm -hmm. different things on cue. So that's what I was using as my background, but I want you now Okay, to tell us a little bit about it. 2018, you said that that's when it took off, right? Yeah, I'd say that's when it really mainstreamed. It was first, uh, the first post, the first drop, as they call them, came out in October 2017. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. right about the time that the Mueller investigation was really heating up, coincidentally, or not so much so. And uh, and so it, it came about then, the drop started then, but they continued through uh december 2020 so it went on for about four years three or four years and uh was really able to through videos like what you're talking about video Mm. was really highly important to it taking off and Mm. one of that that video specifically you're talking about i think is i see as one of the most radicalizing agents oh no on right yeah yeah yeah. what what is in that video that radicalizes like how do they what did so they hypnotic. use? It's hypnotic. It's it's a, certainly a use of uh, hypnotic hypnotic imagery. I think it's sort of you know, uh, filmmaking, movie magic, propaganda one hundred and one type of uh, mm. cuts. And uh, you know that woman's voice is super hypnotic. Oh. And you know she's you are repetitive. Just, continue to be brought it. Repetitive. She's repetitive. repetitive. She puts repetitive. it. Yes. Keep saying it. 
yeah. putting these disturbing images on that are going to really, you know, throw you off balance and really like screw with your equilibrium and your, your mental state. And it was able to bring in millions of people. And yeah. season one, we talked to, so season one we did, it was a three-part series and we looked at the who, what, and why behind QAnon. And I can't tell you how many people we interviewed that said, well, I got into this through Ball of the Cabal, which is that film. Wow. Um, and it was an eight part series and they kept it going and they, and they, you know, really felt like they needed to latch onto it and keep going. And they, each, each video gets deeper and deeper and darker and darker. And, and it really worked. People were stuck at home during the pandemic. And yep. I think that's when it like really, really hit, um, there. Yeah. Mar- Mar- Marley, can you give me a sense of timeline here that you say they did the, they dropped the video in 2017. So towards the back of <laughs> 17. Yeah, so this but, is actually when uh, the the just to clarify the the drops themselves, which is mm-hmm. what how QAnon how QAnon communicates to his followers or sort mm-hmm. of these. Uh, I mean, they, I think they'd like me to say cryptic, but they're really not that cryptic. They're really poorly written, sort of just choppy, mm-hmm. like weird little tip things. Yeah. but but uh, I mean, back in you know the themes of QAnon, including the themes of pedophilia and the corrupt elites, of course. They're there in the 2016 election with, for example, the Pizzagate deception, Pizzagate lie that's being spread and so on. Is QAnon actually functioning at that time in 2016, just not in as highly organized a fashion as when they do the drops? Or are they simply drawing from others like, for example, well, I won't give names here for legal reasons at this point, but from others who are promoting the Pizzagate uh Yeah, so uh, I think that... Uh... It was, I think, I see Pizzagate as sort of a precursor to QAnon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certainly a lot of overlap with the figures involved with it. And I think that they saw how well that worked. And actually prior to QAnon, there was FBI and on, CIA and on. And yeah. those were these groups in, in, you know, Reddit and 8chan, 4chan specifically that were really pushing uh, many of the same narratives that eventually became core to Q. So when... So if you can help me out with like the connections that you're making that you've had to live with. I mean, when you talk about people like Jack Posobiec and, uh, and Mike Cernovich who are involved in promoting the Pizzagate and other scandals in 2016, are there active links between those involved in the 2016 or is it QAnon just simply, as it were, a network that draws from the themes that are already out there for its own purposes? No, I see them as very active links. I think it's in most of the same actors. I think they pick okay. new guys up along the way, right? But I think that it is the same group of uh, bad actors, a lot of connections to Russia, um, who mm-hmm. come together and say, all right, well, this worked really well. This information warfare worked so well in 2016. Let's draw on those themes and those same tactics, uh, the same techniques, tactics, techniques, and procedures uh, to continue to radicalize people and get them to a place where they will not believe mainstream news. They won't believe what yeah. Mueller, what happened in Mueller's report. They won't believe anything that the president, you know, has the Trump was doing that was absolutely crazy. They just, all they have to believe is that he is saving the world from these pedophiles. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. every, nothing else matters at that point. Um, and yeah. so it is many of the same actors and they do pick up, uh, I think just, they saw that as they saw Pizzagate and many of the other disinformation campaigns in 2016. It's just so effective that they were like, let's run with this. Wow. Well, how, how, how far back can we pull the links? I mean, you know, you've, you've got Infowars, Alex Jones back in the news right now. Yeah, you've got Prison Planet with Paul Joseph Watson. 
you know, again, is it a sense that these folks, we think of QAnon as being distinct, but in a sense, are they not only drawing from those predecessors, but in fact, there's a wider network here. It's just that QAnon, as it were, you know, sort of outdoes everybody else in terms of the uh, the deep, dark is mystique that's associated with it. Yeah, no, I think it's it's definitely does, you know, build on the tradition of Alex Jones. Well, Alex Jones is very, uh, you know, he's integral in the original as QAnon is forming, he's pushing it out. Um, Alex Jones has at some point a split with Q. There's a lot of uh, back and forth there with figures like Jack Posobiec and Alex Jones specifically uh, who are like, well, maybe this has gone too far and then maybe it hasn't. And they're kind of in and out. And I think that's probably, you know, they got cut off and they they, they weren't getting the money and they saw it was taking off, right? Oh, wow. Probably. Uh, okay. But in but it, certainly at the beginning, they were seen as very much like validators of these theories and pushing people to the boards okay. where they would see this. So uh, it was many of the same communities that were already paying attention to Alex Jones. Um, and then they just were really latched on there and were like, oh, this is the new Alex Jones. But I think the thing that QAnon did that really surpasses any of these people is that there wasn't a figure there. You didn't have to look at Alex Jones. You didn't have okay. to, there was no, there was no personality to attach it to. There was no, you couldn't yeah. do oppo on this person. There was nothing that you could to do to discredit them because there was no real person. Wow. What are the theories of the origins? Like, I'm sure that this is something that you've gone through, right? In the, in the series and the, are there basic theories? Like, are there certain people that you feel were the originators or, uh, did it develop and sort of like different groups took on different aspects of of the conspiracy theories? I see it as both. Uh, I see very much that there is um, the originators here. We can we can the earliest people we can point to are this sort of group of internet trolls, uh, people like microchip, uh, Jack Posobiec mm -hmm. is in the mix there. Um, mm -hmm. and there's a gentleman, not a gentleman, there's an internet troll named, uh, Manny Chavez Defango, mm -hmm. um, who we interviewed in season one, who claims he came up with it. I believe that it was really, you know, it might've started with these internet trolls, but I, I don't see that this is an idea that they had. And a lot of the pieces that have come out about QAnon do focus on the actors behind it themselves. Yeah. They look at, uh, there's a group called Patriot Soapbox that were really the first big aggregators of Q, a woman in that, Tracy Beans. Um, and to your point of earlier, I mean, she goes back in these networks for a decade, right? She was a big Rand Paul activist in 09, right? Um, who wow. really linked into these groups. Uh, so there's certainly you can look at the drops themselves and you do see that they are handed off between people, uh, between groups. But I believe, and what our investigation has shown and what we focus on our show that's different than most pieces is regardless of who's typing it, right. Who's putting these out. There's plenty of all companies have, you know, social media managers. I almost see the person who was posting themselves as something more like that. Um, but mm. we really focus on, you know, what, what are the goals here and yeah. who are sort of the, big people, you know, pulling the strings behind, behind the screen door or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we really do land on that. This, uh, you know, Q claims to be a military intelligence operation that is, mm. you know, stopping the deep state from killing your kids and Donald Trump or whatever. Um, and what we see is that, you know, with, at risk of you know giving credit to QAnon, I do see it as military intelligence tactics. And for us, we did not anticipate 
immediately investigating this element of it, but uh, mm-hmm. everywhere we went, everything that we did, all of our investigations, just every rabbit hole landed on Mike Flynn. Um, and wow. so we really focus. So we really focus in on Flynn, who's seen this as this hero in the QAnon movement, and uh, they consider themselves digital soldiers in his army. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, uh, I've spent several years now, really deeply, deeply focusing on Mike Flynn and his connections to QAnon. And there's, I mean, they're endless. Wow. Go ahead. I mean, can I tease? I mean, can I tease that out? Because that's you know that, that, that's a headline claim. It deserves to be. But when we say like, okay, is it the sense? That, that QAnon is drawing inspiration from Mike Flynn? Is it that Mike Flynn is sort of dog whistling with certain lines that he knows that QAnon will pick up? Or does it go beyond that in that there's actually communication between some of the key activists in QAnon with those around Mike Flynn, that there's some type of discussion and coordination of attack lines, as it were? I, I think that it's all of the above. Uh, we certainly okay. see him interacting very closely with the, the group I mentioned, Patriot Soapbox and Tracy Beans. Okay. Uh, for example, uh, he and Tracy have several entities formed together. There is a there's a there's a money trail. You know, he attempted to trademark the phrase "digital soldiers," which we talk about this season, um, which is the the phrase that they the what they used to call themselves. And so they are, you know, he's selling t-shirts. He's, he's mm-hmm. definitely making money off of this. They're mm-hmm. hugely supportive of the Mike Flynn defense fund. There's a mm-hmm. deep paper trail, uh, as well as, you know, a lot of dog whistle stuff, but also just some straight whistling, just whistle a Dixie straight to them, like air horde, mm-hmm. big, big, you know, like signs on during the period that PQ was posting on the board from 17 to, or 18 to, 2020 he's signing his autographs uh you know wwg1 wga which yeah. is a QAnon slogan and how q signs off the drops uh mm-hmm. he is very very uh you know while d- does not take credit for it publicly is very very active in both the myth of QAnon and the belief what the believers think that they are doing they I mean, they're the ones who really led me to him, right? They really were like, it's yeah. Flynn. It's got to be Flynn. And like, look, I as soon as I posted this, he followed me back on Twitter wow. and he did this. And it's so much of that where you're like, wait, what? Like, why would a you know, retired three-star general do that? Even, yeah. even a crazy one, right? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's definitely, he he plays into it in a very serious way. And then there's also, yeah, pretty serious paper trail and just connections with all of the big influencers in Q and the Flynn team. Okay, so two things, Marley. One, if you could tell us a little bit about Flynn's background. I mean, we know his background. There, there may be people who are listening and watching that don't know anything about him and why he would be so, like, the the person, okay, that, uh, that they look. Yeah, and sure. Also, you know, how... Um, White, well, the connection with Flynn and QAnon when you know his background. So I'd like you to ask, you know, comment, okay, on that. Yeah, for sure. A little bit about that, and then I want to get in a little bit to connections with Russia, uh, because I think that's an important part of this as well. So let's start with Mm -hmm. Flynn. Yeah, sure. So Flynn is a um, military intelligence, army intelligence guy. Um, He was uh, really a big part of. 
He's one of our top intelligence officers in Iraq and then Afghanistan. Uh, he was the head of military intelligence in Afghanistan uh, for many years. He wrote a report that he became very famous for on where how we were failing in our intelligence. And in rereading that report recently, I read it. I've read it several times throughout very various projects of mine. But rereading it recently, it really stands out to me that many of the tactics that he's talking about that he needs to they need we need to be undertaking as a country in Afghanistan. Um, the, the U.S. military should be undertaking there are what we see here. You know, it really is about this these psychological operations mm-hmm. and getting information in front of people and siloing information systems and also getting out into the field and going into places that we normally wouldn't and not just being there, you know, as, as soldiers, but going into communities, helping get schools mm-hmm. started. Uh, he talks a lot in this report about you know, it's great that we go around and build these schools, but then we let them pick their own teachers when well, we need to be, you know, controlling teachers. education and putting teachers in there and things. Um, and we need wow. to you know, get out from behind our big tanks and our sunglasses and go into these villages, meet with tribal leaders, meet with clerics and and build relationships there so that we are able to get our message more more directly to the communities that we're in Afghanistan. And so we see that very, very that is QAnon, right? That is exactly wow. what they do. Yeah. Um, but Flynn goes on after Afghanistan to become the head of the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, under President Obama. And he has several years there. He's eventually fired. There's a lot of back and forth about what mm-hmm. it is that he's fired about. Um, a lot of different claims on that. Uh, but he becomes immediately very disgruntled, very, very upset with the U.S. government, says that the only reason he was fired is because, you know, Obama's protecting ISIS and that he was the only guy who was going to deal with ISIS properly and things like that, a lot of really crazy claims. And he becomes wildly Islamophobic and conspiratorial. Uh, people that were close to him at the time just started kind of being like, wait, what, what are you talking about, man? Like it got yeah. really weird. Dinners yeah. got weird. Lunches got weird. He started losing friends. Um, and then very shortly after 2014, he uh, starts sort of turning up in Moscow. He has a relationship with a woman, uh, Svetlana Lakova. He meets mm-hmm. at a Cambridge, Cambridge seminar. Um, and, you know, the nature of their relationship, I, I can't speak to, but it, it certainly does. You know, they are emailing back and forth for years. Uh, and he's signing the emails, General Misha, and he becomes very close with her. Wow. And he's the first U.S. intelligence official in our history to be given a tour of the GRU. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, a, that was a pretty big one. And that really set off a lot of alarms in the U S yeah. intelligence community. Uh, and then when Donald Trump comes on the scene, he shows up as an advisor and famously gives a speech at the RNC calling for Hillary Clinton to be locked up. He's really, who got the locker up language really mm-hmm. kicked off, uh, and then, uh, becomes, uh, President Trump's first national security advisor, uh, which is a terrifying position for the country was in during the brief period that he did do that. Uh, that was only 21 days he was a national security advisor, but he was fired for um, lying about his conversations with the Russian ambassador uh, as it related to get, kicking out a bunch of Russian diplomats. Uh, and so he was lying about that. He was clearly continually having a relationship with the Kremlin and and lying to everybody about it, and it was one of the big things that kicked off the Mueller investigation. Wow, I mean, that's sorry, a great, that's a lot. Is that, no, is that too much? Well, it's, 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 it's vital, perfect. Like vital, perfect. You know, it is just, vital. People need to understand to, this. Yeah, just to, to to really pull everything together. Then, so of course, Flynn is dismissed on Valentine's Day, two thousand seventeen, yeah. after three weeks, and there. 
at what point do the connections begin with QAnon? Are you able to track it down when they start first communicating with each other or dog whistling each other? As so it were? pretty much immediately after he's fired, you start seeing okay. him him interact mm-hmm. with a lot of the groups that later become very core to Q. Q is not has not posted yet. There is no Q at this point, but you start seeing him sort of uh, interacting with these groups. He also forms several entities that uh, are very Q sounding, right? He's got a uh, resilient Patriot as his first, mm. his first entity that he forms after leaving the white house. Um, and, and things sort of just pick up from there. Uh, and as the Mueller investigation really kicks off, you know, he is in a serious, he has serious legal, legal issues and mm. these lawyers are high, super expensive. He has to sell his house in Afghan and he has to sell his house in Alexandria um, in order to pay for them. And I think that, you know, around the time that the Mike Flynn Defense Fund is created by his family and starts to be pushed, you mm-hmm. see the earliest rumblings of Q really kick off. Uh, and so this sort of mm-hmm. coincide pretty exactly in terms of timing. There's a great piece I would direct your uh, yeah. your viewers to read in The Intercept written by a wonderful reporter Candace Rondeau, who does really, really important work for democracy, um, and her piece on Mike Flynn's connections to QAnon and Intercept, I think, is the most thorough written piece. Mm-hmm. Of course, watch QAnon, search for Q. We really of cover course. quite a bit. We do cover a lot of this, and we interview Candace. It was really great to get to sit with her. And, and she's actually, she's wonderful because she was a war reporter for the, war correspondent for the Washington Post, and she wow. was able to uh, she spent time, a lot of time with Mike Flynn in Afghanistan, um, mm. which is really what prompted this was that this was this general that she respected and had a you know, good working relationship with uh, in those years and watching him devolve into the Q general. Right. Uh, this wild conspiracy theory peddling guy who's just all memes of Mike Flynn all the time uh, from the Q crowd, I think really sparked her. And so we ha- we've had some fascinating conversations between our research together. She's great. Yeah, we'll so, make sure so, to put the link, okay, when we no, put absolutely. up the episode. Yeah. So what's, are you able to, Marley, able to establish the motives here for Flynn? I mean, clearly one motive might just simply be financial, that you tap into and use QAnon to, to keep himself one. above water during all the yeah, legal. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big uh, one. Is it to defend, provide cover for Trump, even though Flynn is no longer in the White House through a whole sense of information operations? or is Flynn? actually looking at some type of different American system, some type of different, as it were, change to the system, uh, mobilizing Q in some way to do that. I think it's all of the above, unfortunately. I do think that there's definitely a you know, connection to, um, you know, he's, sure, he's a grifter and he's definitely grifted off of the Q world, uh, Q community, rise of Q things. Um, we actually talk about, I think that the term grifter really, it's sort of... Um, it trivializes his involvement. Uh, you know, mm. it's like, yeah, you can just make money off of it. That does seem to be one thing to me. But uh, the term that I I prefer to use there is actually ethnic entrepreneur um, mm. because it is, uh, you know, you see this throughout history of people who are like, yeah, the money's there. The money's great. Doesn't hurt, obviously, mm. especially when you owe $5 million in legal bills. Yeah. But I do think that the most... Uh, the biggest thing for him is that it was this information op. It was able to muddy the waters and create a lot of confusion regarding 
what is true, what's fact, what's not, um, and just what's up from down, basically, uh, and in supporting Trump. And then I think eventually uh, is creating this new American system the way that he sees it, the sort of dominionist fantasy of this yeah. system that he wants to create. And so season one, we culminate in January 6th. In fact, we were supposed to, mm. the show was supposed to air January 8th, and we did not cut a final act of the third episode um, because we were like, Nope. Whatever happens on that day is what this needs to be. Right. Uh, like it, the, the language in Q world was very clear that something was yeah. going to happen on January 6th. Uh, and so we, we held off and, and the night before you see Flynn giving this speech to them where it's almost a general, you know, directing his troops or rallying his troops the night before battle. Uh, and so mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we left off there and this season we pick up with exactly one year after the insurrection, um, what has happened to these 30 million people that we have assessed fully believing human on the United States. Uh, and, you know, we thought that it might be different this season. We get to do something different, but pretty right away, basically we're landed at the doorstep of Mike Flood again. Um, okay. we just can't get rid of that guy. Uh, so uh, well, just, they, they have, sorry. Yeah. No, no, you never say sorry. God, I'm absolutely fascinated. Yeah, it's I, just, know. I, wanted, I wanted to just before getting into that part of the story, I wanted to I, I was really struck by your I, I'm going to seize this phrase for ethnic entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I want to see if there's any other ethnic entrepreneurs that that you pick up on, for example. I don't know. Maybe Roger Stone, for example, maybe Steve Bannon. Heaven help us using grifter as a phrase for him. Despite the fact, of right. course, that he is absolutely nailed on the uh, the case of the mythical millions for the wall that were raised, absolutely. I mean, are there are, are are Bannon Stone anyone else, as it were, in Trump world who are outside the White House, as Bannon was from 2017? Do they have connections with Flynn and thus indirectly with Q, or do they steer clear of this? No, oh, usually connected. Um... Okay. His relationship with Bannon, I haven't really been able to figure out. It doesn't appear that they like each other, but I think they tolerate mm-hmm. each other. I That's mm-hmm. total speculation, though, right? I don't know mm-hmm. either one of those gentlemen personally. But um, I do think that, you know, they're, they certainly push each other's things. And, uh, for example, Bannon, the Bannon and Flynn thing I would point to the most is that they have been the two most instrumental figures in this election cycle, pushing these local these local or election deniers to run for local office. Um, and you almost can see that as like part of a political insurgency. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, Bannon's, Bannon's good at it from the political strategy standpoint, political science standpoint, and Flynn knows how to run that, like a military operation. Right. right. Uh, he's at, from all of his years of focusing on counterinsurgency, obviously mm-hmm. they're kind of one in the same. It's time to, that that line gets blurred at some point. So big connections between Bannon and Flynn on a lot of the things they're pushing. And Bannon's definitely a hero within Q world. Um, and then Roger Stone is very, very active in the Q mm-hmm. world in a big way. Uh, I think that, you know, Bannon's just never met like a radicalization campaign or grip or Roger Stone has never met a radicalization campaign or grip. He didn't like, you know, and so I mm-hmm. think that in, mm-hmm. uh, He's certainly one of the early validators of Q. He's pushing a lot of information right before Q actually starts. He starts saying stuff about pedophilia and Mike Flynn knows mm-hmm. where the bodies are buried and things that we'll later hear echoed in Q drops. Um, wow. And then now uh, this this tour that Mike Flynn is on, this Christian nationalist oh, political rally that, that he's yeah. on around the country, Reawaken yeah. America. Uh, Roger Stone speaks at that. Uh, and he's just really, really deeply connected to 
a lot of the figures that we see as part of this sort of Q2.0 movement that have risen out of Mike Flynn's reawakened tour. Wow. Well, Marley, can I ask you, uh, let me ask you what, I don't know if it's jackpot question or not, before we get into season two, which I want to find out more about, but there's a, in December of 2017, uh, two, uh, sorry, 2020, so mm-hmm. just a few weeks before January 6th, Mike Flynn is at the White House. I think Patrick Byrne is there, the overstock.com mm-hmm. guy yeah. is there. Uh, there are Trump's uh, lawyers or pretend lawyers, people like Sidney Powell that are there. It's it's an infamous meeting the way it's been portrayed. Yeah. But there's one thing that comes out of it, and I want to play connect the dots with you to see if it matches up with what you found out. And that is one of the takeaway lines from it is that Flynn tells Donald Trump, you can declare martial law. You can declare martial law, call out the troops, and hold on to office. Now, some of the media in a sense sort of just took that episode in isolation, right? And it's just sort of hung out there. It just so happened, I was doing research on a project this week, and I had forgotten this, but in, I think in September 2020, Roger Stone, before the election, had said, if it doesn't turn out right, Trump can invoke martial law. Really? I've never seen that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got Flynn in 2020. And you got Stone in December. You got Stone in September. The part you know about with Flynn, are we really talking about, in a sense, that Flynn is trying to use the election almost, in a sense, as his catalyst to invoke what is a long-running project, which is that, you know, Q has called for this, Flynn has called for this. We're going to take over the American system. Does it go as far as that when in that meeting? Uh I think so. I've I've spent a lot of time on that meeting and actually spent a lot of time with Patrick Byrne. Uh, This Mm. season I spent, I was not able, I've spent years trying to get to Mike Flynn and the closest we got this year was Patrick Byrne and he was a fascinating figure and we ended up spending quite a bit of time with him. I traveled Mm. with him a little bit. Uh, I was with him when he uh, went to testify before the January 6th committee. Um, And so I've spent quite a bit of time on this meeting with him and in my own research. Uh, and I will, I will clarify that all accounts of that meeting, Flynn is calling for martial law in interviews before and after the meeting. As I understand it, it was more that he wanted the military to go rerun the election. Uh, he wanted to use the National Guard to go rerun the election there. And uh, as I understand, it was not actually pushing the term martial law in the meeting itself. Of course, I wasn't there. Um, no. but essentially sort of all the same thing. Right. Uh, and, and I do, I think that that meeting really, you know, within an hour of it ending, we see Donald Trump send up this, you know, insurgent bat signal, basically mm-hmm. of this tweet that where he says, uh, you know, come on January 6th, yeah. we'll be wild. This is the first, the first indication we have of January 6th coming from the white house. Uh, and that's an hour after that meeting ends. I think that it really does kick off everything that we've seen play out since. Uh, and I do think that this is sort of all of the above. I think it is part of this, you know, long-term play they had, uh, as well as an immediate fix to their issue, which was if Donald Trump goes away, we get further from our goals here and also pretty good chance some of us go to jail. So, uh, Mm -hmm. let's do everything Mm -hmm. we can to hold on to power while we've got it. Um, and, you know, the lawyers, uh, the White House lawyers, Patsy Ballone and others, were uh, pretty adamant that no, the election was not stolen. Yet Joe Biden actually just won. 
and you need to take these conspiracy theories and get out of here, stop. And uh, and they they present Donald Trump another option. I think that's the most important thing of this meeting is that but for this meeting happening, Trump would kind of just be out of options. There's no one around him that could do anything about this, right? There was no one, no one was playing into his fantasies, no one was playing this mm-hmm. game with him. And he found people to play with. Um, and in fact, uh the to hear Patrick Byrne tell it, he uh he says the direct quote is uh put us in coach we'll win this for you um and wow. so we wow. talked we talked to him very extensively about that meeting and get a really fascinating firsthand account of that meeting from Patrick in the show uh but i i think that yeah it, it's a pivotal meeting it really can't be understated how important that that night was wow I, as far as i remember trump's first real reference to qanon was summer of 2020 when he's asked about it at a press conference and he uses that standard mm-hmm. quote. He uses used it on after January six about good people, mm-hmm. about patriots. So, do, do you have the sense that Trump, um, either before or by the time of that meeting in December, knew of Flynn's connections with QAnon? That he had any sense of anything wider, or was it just simply whatever keeps me in power? Fair game. It's a little bit of both. I mean, I feel like if he knew anything about QAnon, he knew Mike Flynn was. Somewhere in there, right? Um, okay. My personal theory on it, everyone has different takes on mm-hmm. this. And my personal mm-hmm. theory is that they had kind of kept Trump out of QAnon because they were like, eh, let us run this. Like, we got this. And he probably knew they were doing some sort of information op and, you know, heard through Roger or something. Um, but uh, if I had to guess, and I do, I guess, uh, is the he he didn't fully understand what Q was. He just saw it as like another group of people who were, you know, rapidly mm. obsessed with him, which mm. is all mattered to all him. He, he asked about, a lot of right. questions beyond that, probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, oh, are and, they coming? Uh, yeah, because he yeah, wouldn't allow for some, for uh, either it was because he wanted to make money off the marketing, but he would not allow or someone in his administration or group or campaign wouldn't allow Q people to wear their T-shirts. I remember at a certain point and then it changed. And I remember this because I think they, they there were people who were trying to show up to the to the rallies and everything. They had their Q T-shirts on trying to get his attention. And then all of a sudden they said, no, they 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 couldn't wear them anymore. So at a certain point he was on board um, or at least he knew. But it was just something yeah, that I, I don't noticed. Think that that was a, I no? certainly don't think that that was a Trump call that they couldn't come in in their Q T-shirts anymore. I think no. that, that was uh, the... FBI put out a bulletin, um, not labeling QAnon as a domestic terrorist group, but saying this is certainly has domestic terrorist implications. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing a rise of violence, political violence and interpersonal violence is really most uh, the yeah. scariest thing about QAnon to yeah. me is that it's uh, just really, really bizarre mass radicalization, you know, yeah. families, mothers killing yeah. their children and things, yeah. which is really sad. But so I think that once the FBI came out with that bulletin, Treasury or Secret Service was like, all right, guys, we gotta okay, we gotta the, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's stop, let's stop letting the domestic terrorists into the rallies with their domestic terrorist suits on, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. uh and yeah, and then I, I think people still did get in, uh, but I know that that uh does still stand. I met a guy at the first tr- rally that Trump had after the uh, since he's left office was in Arizona this year, and. Mm. In Florence, Arizona, and I met a guy who tried to get in with a Q shirt and um, was was told that he couldn't come in, and he was mm. pretty upset about that. Uh, 
But the thing about Q is that they always, they find ways to rationalize anything. So it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Deep state, keeping them out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The deep state, somebody in there. Uh, In fact, when you touched on something of how families, how this affects families, marriages, uh, relationships, uh, which I read a lot about in Coda Story, for example, they did a whole series, okay, of uh, people and their families and, you know, how they were, how uh, like kids and their either partners, right, had to, there were marriages that actually broke up. Um, even on Telegram, there were all sorts of chats of people, you know, uh, asking for help and, and advice on how to yeah. how to get yeah, their whole, family member de-radicalized because it was. Yeah, there's a really great Reddit um, group that is, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Q- QAnon Casualties that deals specifically mm-hmm. with that. It's for members, family members who have lost a family member to yeah. what is essentially a digital cult, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's heartbreaking i honestly yeah. like of all of the really dark sad things i've had to focus on for this show i i oof QAnon casualties gets me really big it's really sad yeah, um, it is yeah those stories are heartbreaking heartbreaking and it goes beyond just the like distancing it's a there's a huge amounts of violence that's coming out of this right there are so many so many QAnon connected I mean, things like, you know, blocking the Hoover Dam things, you know, big infrastructure things. But more importantly, I think is you see there was a there's been several examples of this, but there was a man in San Diego took his kids down to Mexico and killed his two children uh, last year who uh, believed that they maybe had a little bit of lizard blood in them from Q. uh, And they've been pushed. um, and, And this is happening all over the world. There have been several in the U.K., and France, uh, it's been all over Europe, and and this is something that is really taking hold. Is this this uh, real terrible violence, murder, and QAnon connected crimes across the board? So we we yeah. talked to a guy named Mike Jensen who studies this for a living. He does a great job in the show, um, and he really unpacks a lot of these issues. Okay, yeah, we see a lot of it here as well. I mean, I ran into it because one of my friends uh, sent me messages or something like that from on, on WhatsApp. Um, about uh, the pedophiles and about, and this is here in Italy. So this stuff travels, you know, real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the connections between the, like the, the, the QAnon US and Russia? Like how does that, how does Russia fit into all of this, Marley? You know, I think that we talked about QAnon rising out of the disinformation campaigns that we saw take hold in 2016. And obviously, you know, so much, that was Russia. That was hugely yeah. Russia. I yeah. uh, was the producer on a film called Active Measures that unpacked mm-hmm. that. Um, and when I thought I was going into QAnon, I thought I was going to be going into a completely different world. Um, but I was not. And no. you know, you said earlier, Mo, that you found out about QAnon by your friend sending you this fall of Cabal video and mm-hmm. saying, what is this? Um, and following that path, I actually found it. Uh, the German Marshall Fund had that great um, website that was uh, Hamilton 68, which was looking mm-hmm. at Russian. Um, mm-hmm. And and so while I was making active measures, that came out. And the first time I saw QAnon was there, right? That was the right. um, thing being pushed by the IRA that morning. It was hashtag QAnon. It had been disseminated all across the board. Russian media was covering it. And I was like, what is that? What is this? 
Um, and that was the first time I found it. Uh, it when we, when the, all of the IRA accounts were taken down and released what they were pushing, many of the early, earliest, biggest, you know, amplifiers of Q narratives and just straight hashtag Q and on and pushing the, what was happening on the boards were, was the IRA, was the, um, yeah, internet research, what, internet research, research agency, agency. Right? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, out of St. Petersburg, troll farms, you know, and and I think that they were really responsible for allowing it to take hold because they had such a good system going with their mm-hmm. trolls and with mm-hmm. their networks, right? Uh, that they were yeah. able to really push it, uh, early. Um, yeah. and then you know, as we move on, I think, uh, you know, Russia's kind of got their hands full right now. Um, and so I, I do believe that while they're echoing each other in huge ways, uh, they're continuing, you know, Q American Q crowds are pushing Russian narratives and, mm. you know, the Kremlin spokespeople you see pushing Q type narratives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think at this point there has been a separation and I'm sure there is money trail there that I have personally not been able to to track down but i hope to at some point in my life um and uh, i hope i hope federal investigators are looking at that in a big way but the other thing i think that you see it with q in russia is that like you know we mentioned roger stone we mentioned bannon Mm -hmm. we mentioned uh Mm -hmm. mike flynn it's pretty much across the board all of the big characters in q do have russia connections yeah yeah and there's also mention here for example in the q accounts because i had gone through you no know, uh, i had done mm-hmm. my own research in the italian q world mm-hmm. and they Big use world. the exact exactly and they use um the exact same you know patriot front all of that kind of thing just translated mm-hmm. but sometimes not even translated it's just completely mm-hmm. in english the big big accounts um, I mean, I can get into it, you know, uh, maybe we'll, we'll talk about this, Scott, another time, but, um, yeah. And they're connected to a lot of the radical right parties that are here. These are all supporters. And that's what scares me also for the, the Italian election that is coming up and which, you know, Scott mm-hmm. and I will be talking to, uh, somebody about that. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I would, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. worried about that for yeah. our election this coming up too. Um, yeah. yeah. Mar- Marley with season two coming out, there's so many takeaways you've already given to us, which is, you know, the, the personal side of the story that shouldn't be lost, the effect on these people that are living with this, uh, the, the ways that these narratives as it were, well, they're never in control, but they spiral further. But you said something that was interesting earlier. You said you thought you would find, in effect, that, that it wasn't that, that Q had diminished as a force. I think you know that the last big drop was in December 2020. But then you said you didn't find that. You found it continues. If it's not continuing in that organized way through the drops, you know, to the millions of followers, where where is the movement now? Is it still mm-hmm. an organized movement with very clear objectives? Or is the force simply more of that psychological corrosive force that it continues to wear away at its members and indeed society just because the poison is still out there? Yeah, I mean, that's really a great way of phrasing that. I mean, it's an important question and definitely what we sought to answer this season. For me, I think that man it it in so many ways is more organized now and more alive than it ever was when it was on the boards um but but it it sort of has what's grown out of it the offshoots of q we see this really rise through stop the steel movements through covid conspiracy and Mm -hmm. you know all of the anti-vax narratives 
and as well as uh, the continuing idea of the pedophilia and the save our children narratives, right? So these three narratives that have taken hold, I think, far beyond the reach that Q had, um, continue to give life to this movement. And and in many ways, there's they're more organized than Q ever was. Uh, this reawaken America tour that Mike Lynn is doing, mm-hmm. we see all three of those theories being really at the at the core of that. And while they're not posting and while they're not referencing Q anymore, and in fact have gone so far as to disavow Q in most cases, they are really, I mean, they're not even, they're using the same exact language, right? They're not even changing the words. They're not changing anything about it. They're giving basically direct Q drops Mm -hmm. from the stage, things that I recognize as words that Q used uh, that these speakers are saying without saying cues they've lost the riddles they've made it more accessible and they've been able to mainstream it in a way where they don't even need cue anymore you know this digital profit is gone and new leaders will pop up and come about and they continue it will continually evolve but i think that they're in a place now where this has been i mean it it has borne a new entire sector of of the united and globally really i mean an entire entire group of people who truly believe these things and mm-hmm. don't need drops don't need anything no. there no, they are their telegram now they have telegram basically they're going from what i saw marley was that they let's say in the movement the actual pipeline the information that was mm-hmm. traveling uh, from one thing to another there was let's say the, the actual q stuff uh mm-hmm. so all of the anti-systemic uh narratives that we mm-hmm. we've seen in the united states then COVID hit. So they all latched on to COVID. Um, then I was also following, for example, uh, the truckers. Okay. Big time. Huge, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. still they're still at it. They have brought in the whole pedophilia. They brought in uh, the COVID. They're still, you know, talking about the vax and how, you know, they're trying to control us. And all of that kind of thing. Uh, and they're still believers. They're absolute believers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ran into one in Toronto and I was shocked. Okay. I yeah. was getting my hair done. <laughs> and, she, and she's talking about how, how Trudeau is out just to control society and it's going to become a fascist state and he's a fascist. And this is the kind of language, right, that uh, that they're using. But we see this, okay, every day uh, for that kind of thing. What's the next development? What, do you see it going anywhere or developing further? Yeah, or, I think that, you know, on the, on the trucker thing, uh, just briefly, so it starts in Canada and then there's the European protest that um, in the Netherlands really mm-hmm. took off there. Yeah. Um, and uh, my cinematographer for this season it has done an incredible job of covering it. He's been all over the world covering it and mm-hmm. wonderful footage. But he, the first, uh, the first, the takeoff of the United States one was out of California. And mm-hmm. I went to the first night of the trucker rally as people came together before they started their journey, before any of the things. And, you know, got there and, you know, the events funded by the America Project, which is my cleanse organization, right? Um, and I yeah. think that in many ways, it's like he's pulling these yeah. different strands. We look at uh, sort of the Christian nationalist side that has grown out of this, as well as the militia movements that have grown out of, the, out of this. And I think that what's important here is that they have a diversified, essentially, you know, the tr- 
troops, right? They can, they can, they need truckers for something and they can call in the truckers. Yeah. They need, you know, women who are going to go and attack school boards, they can call them in. There's all of these different sort of flavors that they can pull from, but it's all part of the same thing. And I think that we'll continue to see them pop up. I think the biggest thing we're going to see next with them Mm. is uh, what's going to happen in the 20 midterms coming up. Mm. Um, I'm very, I'm pretty nervous. Uh, but I, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of the election deniers who are very close with the Q world and speaking at a lot of these events that I'm at are, you know, we've seen Mark Fincham become the nominee secretary of state in Arizona. That's terrifying. Mm. And we've got one Jim March in Nevada and the Michigan nominee, all of these people are super connected. I think that's where they're putting their main effort. And I think we're going to continue to see, election officials specifically those those roles targeted by QAnon conspiracy theories and the people who believe them uh, as well as the funds and such by mike flynn and patrick byrne others who are lead- leaders of this movement uh and i think that it sort of depends on what happens in the midterm what what their next move is because they've really built this system where they can pull in anything now right if it goes this way we've got a plan if it goes this yeah. way we've got a plan um yeah. and they can they can really yeah. Uh, you know, I think continue to evolve and I guess eventually well, take over. I don't know. You know what it reminds me of? It's sort of like they've weaponized so many aspects of society. So they can go anywhere. They can go towards the military route. They can go towards health, education. I mean, it's it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of Russia in that way because Russia just weaponizes every single thing that they can get their mm-hmm. hands on, including exactly. toys, literature, whatever. So I can see that, you know, and you'll have little cells, which is really disturbing. Cells, right. That'll yes. be, that'll be the, you know, I mean, they've created sort of like terror, little terrorists, uh, terrorist cells, right? Yeah, Marley. basically that. Um, the other thing well, I would just say real quick on the Russia thing, so, sorry, Scott, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt well, no, you. No, no. Um, <laughs> I, I was just going to say in weaponizing everything, we also do, we think of this as a far right movement. Mm-hmm. But it has mm-hmm. been super effective on the far left here, too. And I think this oh, is the yeah. first American movement that we've seen really do that in a way that, that Russia has been doing for a long time. Yeah. And it's something that is not acknowledged very much in the media. And it's constantly like, oh, this fringe alt-right thing. And it's mm. like a lot of, lot of far left in the mix here, too. Yeah. We're, without naming any names, like maybe the gray zone. Uh, Marley, <laughs> I, I, I'd like to get first of all, when season two comes out, Will you come back and talk to us? Because I want to follow up. It comes out, yeah, it comes we out to... when, this Wednesday night. Oh, we, we, okay. this Wednesday. Wednesday, August 24th uh, on Vice TV. It's 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then it will come out. It's a four-part docuseries. And it will come out every Wednesday following that for the next month. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't, yeah. And if you haven't caught season one, go and watch it. Okay. So that way you're, you're all cut up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go catch Great. up. And then I, I think that, uh, yeah, I'd love to come back and hear what you guys think about it. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Okay. Thank, All right, everybody. Really so appreciate much, you guys. Thank you. Thank, and thank you. you. Mm-hmm. Thank Thanks. you. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye.